Hi, I'm your host, Karina Gantis, and you're listening to a special edition of Behind the Pen for the NAPOD POMO National Podcast Post Month. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Pen. I'm your host, Karina Gantis. I'm an award-winning author of 14 books, a award-winning filmmaker. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber. I run Author Assist, which helps uh, authors with their marketing and promotion. Everything from brainstorming an idea right through to marketing the final product. I'm also the host of the Author Assist show on the Artist First radio network. Um, My sponsor for today is... um, One moment there. Uh, yeah, big shout out to my sponsor today. This episode is sponsored by AuthorView with uh, Calmet Editions. Josh Weber talks with authors. He has recently published through his publishing company, Calumet Editions, about their backgrounds, the creative process. AuthorView is a podcast focused on bringing authors into the conversation when it comes to publishing their work. Follow author view with Callum uh, Editions wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So thank you so much for being the sponsor of the show. Um, Josh from Callum Editions. Let me get my thing back up. Here we go. Uh, today I am chatting with Jill Corn. So welcome to the show, Jill. Hi, thank you, Karina. I'm pleased to be here. Uh, it's lovely to hear a British accent. I really do miss the British accents. <laughs> oh, Whereabouts are you in the UK? Sorry? Whereabouts are you in the UK? Well, it's a bit um, deceptive, really, because you can hear that I'm, I'm actually English, but I've lived in Scotland for 40 years, almost. Uh, I live in the west of Scotland, not far from the coast, um, which is a beautiful coastline. I live in Ayrshire. Oh, how beautiful. Very um, inspiring, I'm sure. It is, when it's not raining. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's Britain for you. But um, Scotland, yeah, I can't hear a twang at all. What happened no. to the accent? <clears throat> you, can, you can catch it in little ways. Um, you find yourself saying things like, oh, and you talk about wee boys and wee girls instead of little boys and little girls. But uh, mostly, no, I've retained my, my own English accent. If I try to do a Scottish accent, I sound a bit like Scotty on Star Trek, so I prefer to oh, leave right. it out. <laughs> I'm uh, half Irish, and that comes out when I get really angry, and suddenly the Irish comes out in me, and I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> okay, behind the pen is a podcast for anyone who uses a pen. You can be a writer, illustrator, tattooist, um, author, editor, anybody who uses a pen. So Jill, my first question to you is, what do you use your pen for? I write audio drama. Oh, wow. I'm a huge fan, or have been for years and years, of um, BBC radio drama. I've been listening to it. I don't know how long and I now write and to an extent produce my own um, 
audio plays, radio plays, if you like, except that they're podcast um, rather than broadcast on, on normal radio. That is amazing. Yeah, those plays have been going on for, oh, years, many, many years. And you've listened to them. I mean, you have it on all the time, your radio station. Radio 4, yeah, well, yeah, I used to have it on all the time. Don't so much now because I listen to, to more podcasts, I suppose, than I used to. Um, but, you know, I can remember when my children were little, had Radio 4 on all the time. And you do learn a lot from listening to things like Woman's Hour and Gardener's Question Time and all of that stuff. And it all sounds really old fashioned now. But, you know, th this kind of journalism is still going and it's brought itself pretty much up to date, I suppose. But every afternoon uh, during the week, there is a, a drama on the radio, which is 50 minutes long. And so I, I'm steeped in that idea of listening to stories and letting the dialogue and the sounds that accompany that dialogue tell a story without pictures. My um, dad um, lost his sight when he was uh, elderly, when he was about 70, I suppose. And um, was always, had always loved the radio, but he became more and more reliant on the radio because he couldn't see. Mm. And so, um, you know, those, those kind of stories and that medium became more important to him. And I was very aware of that, really. Because uh, it's not just him, it's many people that do rely on podcasts for entertainment um, and uh, uh, music and and what have you i mean how long ago was it that you started this not very long really um i am almost retired uh, i still have a little bit of a day job i'm almost retired but when i was working up to thinking about being retired um the thought of it terrified me quite honestly i couldn't think what on earth i would do with my days yeah um, so I kind of sat myself down and, and gave myself a good talking to and realized that, that one of the things that I'd always wanted to do and never given time to was writing. So I decided that I would test myself out and um, see whether or not I could actually do it or whether I'd just been kidding myself all these years. You know, I've got folders and folders of stuff. Most writers yep. have got yep. folders of stuff yep. and you start to read through it and you think, God, this is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so I decided I would see whether I can I write and I applied to Glasgow University um, for the master's course in creative writing. Oh, I and found it really, oh, it was a great experience. It was really hard work. Um, I was 62 when I started. So, wow. you know, the brain had to be kind of cranked up <clears throat> a bit. Um, but did that and, and halfway through that, we were, you know, we'd been doing experimental work in, in poetry and, and prose and so on, short story writing, with quite a few novelists on the course. And I thought, well, you know, what, what do I want to do? I just don't have the patience to write a novel. I know I'll never get through a novel. And even if I did, you know, would anyone want to publish it? And I, then I thought, well, you know, the medium I've always loved is, is, is radio drama. And I love dialogue. I love making up dialogue. I've been making dialogue up since I was a little girl, having conversations. Conversations with in my head with myself. Head, yeah. and, uh, you know, <laughs> talking to yourself. It's, it's less acceptable when you're a grown-up, unfortunately. But um, at least if you write it down, you can call it a script. 
So that was what I decided I would do. I'd give that a go. Um, I wrote my first play about uh, Edith Piaf, coming at it from a slightly different angle. Um, and I, I, I had that recorded and produced for one of my submissions for, for my course. I thought, this is great fun. I'm really enjoying this. So I did a second one for my final submission, um, also based on French history, because I love France and I love history. And it got me my master's degree, but it also got me right into the whole um, process mm -hmm. of writing and um, working with actors and working with soundscape designers. And then, you know, this finished thing that that's there that you can then put out there for people to listen to anytime they like and what's wonderful. lovely you know it's lovely because I did a, I did some work in theatre um on a you know semi-professional basis but I was never a professional actor but once that's done it's gone it's finished and, and the audience has gone home and that's it but the wonderful thing about podcast drama is that people can come to it whenever they like it's all archived. It's always going to be there till the end of days. That's right. They can come and listen to it anywhere. What's your uh, your uh, podcast play? Um, what's it called? The series is called L'Histoire, which is a bit pretentious, really. It's the French word for history. Um, so that I started off, as I say, talking about French history. The, the play about Edith Piaf is called Collaboration because she was briefly suspected um, of, of collaborating with the Nazis during mm -hmm. the Second World War. And she was exonerated. The second play is called Confessional, um, which goes back to medieval French history. Um, and it's about a superhero, really a superhero who was a captain in Joan of Arc's army and therefore, oh. you know, a, a celebrity, he would have been all over Twitter if he if he lived in our day, <laughs> but but was finally a decade after Joan of Arc was was killed, he was finally burned as a witch, and mm -hmm. as a serial murderer. So, mm -hmm. I thought this was a wonderful story. It's a true story. Obviously, you you make up the bits in between, but I thought that was a wonderful story. But you um, haven't just done two. So, what have you gone on and done since then? I decided to work on something a little bit lighter. Well, actually, I was asked by two friends, two very dear friends who said, yeah, we like your plays, but oh, they're a bit dark. They <laughs> said, we don't know where your imagination comes from. You're not that kind of person, really. Um, you I always love you when you go to the dark side. I love it's it so as fun. an author. People oh, don't expect fun. to hear, to, to read like, books like I do from me because I'm they totally don't. the opposite person. Yeah, and they say, oh, you're such a nice person. How come you write like this? <laughs> good so you, you and I obviously share a um, predilection for the dark side. <laughs> but um, they said, can you, can, can you write a love story with a happy ending, please? And I wrote a play called Sea Change, which is based on the Isle of Arran and, and very specifically on the Isle of Arran. And the Isle of Arran lies um, 50 minutes by ferry off the coast near where I live. 
um, I can see it from the top of the hill, um, the island. Some days, some days it disappears behind the mist and some days it looks as though you can touch it. It's a beautiful island. They call it Scotland in miniature. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm. And I wrote the play around the beaches and um, places that people on the Isle of Arran would, would recognise or people who've ever been there would recognise it. And it's a love story, but it's got a bit of a twist in it. Good, Good. you so, need that. Yeah. I, I, think gets, a, I think know, it's more the, interesting. <laughs> the suspense and the twist, you like, they think they know what's going to happen. And then you just like, no, you didn't know that was going to happen. And they're really shocked. And then when you give them the twist, especially at the end, it's like, oh, my. I love, I love doing that. But I only do that in my flash fictions. I only put them... I can't put too many twists in an actual novel. I don't mind the suspense part, but not the twist. I love doing a twist at the end of a flash fiction. That really gets them like, whoa, you know, yeah. sit back and, and try and thought provoking. It makes them think for days about, you know, what was real and what wasn't because of the ending. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's like pulling the rug from under their feet. Yes. It's, it's very evil, actually. <laughs> It's quite evil, yeah, um, but it's good, it's good fun. Um, and then during lockdown, I did two pieces. Um, one of them's not yet on my website, but I did two pieces which I recorded solo um, because, you know, here I was by myself with yeah. my microphone and I just recorded yeah. them myself and wrote them as one one person pieces. So that's interesting because you've got to think about it's not dialogue anymore but, but if it's just monologue potentially it can of, be very boring it's um, point of view but first person so you're explaining what who they're talking to or what they're talking about when you haven't got a secondary character so it must be quite difficult to do that it's, it's quite challenging I don't know that I would like to do a 50 minute piece um, like that one of the um, pieces that that inspired me was a, uh, a series of short plays on BBC Sounds called Annika Stranded. And I don't know if you've heard those. They're great. And Nicola Walker is the actor who plays the part. And um, there's only her voice. You only hear her voice. But you hear it in a range of contexts. She might be speaking on the phone. She might be shouting across to one of her colleagues. She might be talking direct to Mike. And, and giving you some, you know, exposition. Narration, yeah. Yeah, some narration. So that was that was really what inspired me to do this. And so you have to kind of, you move the person into different situations. So that although you've only got one voice, you've got other things going on at the same mm. time. That does, so, sound, that does sound really difficult, a lot more difficult than novel writing. Do you think do like so? To, yeah, yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I write in uh, first person. I write in um, deep pov as well, uh, which can be difficult. And I've wrote in, in third person. But uh, to do that, to tell a whole play um, in one voice and to make it sound as though the story's being told, but there's action and dialogue, even though there isn't, it is, yeah, I can, I'll have to have a listen to that. But um, now you've gone on to lighter stuff and you're doing, uh, you're really pushing yourself now 
you've still kept the podcast the same name uh history in french yes i have for the time being i'm i'm thinking about whether or not i need to to rebrand mm. that it's it's quite difficult for people to pick up um and so i think you know if i come up with an absolutely brilliant new name um they'll have to use that but i haven't come up with anything yet if you put everything what you've done so far in a box and then come up with one title that would describe what you do it would be then, quite difficult <laughs> then i'm quite yeah. good with titles myself but, um yeah i mean you've got to see what's out there already because of course you can't copy somebody else's you know playtime right. with with the jill or you know <laughs> Jill's plays. That's <laughs> um, so good, is it? You want something that's really distinctive. The corny, corny plays. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope they're not. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. You'd be going into the humour side then of uh, writing. That's oh right. wow! So, how long would it take you to actually write a, a full play for your uh, podcast? I would say the actual writing probably wouldn't take me all that long. What I tend to do is, is go into retreat um, for a full day if I'm, if I'm, you know, really got my head down. And so of those full days, I think I could probably produce a first draft in four or five days, but that would only be a first draft. And then mm -hmm. obviously people would have to look at it and I'd have to look at it and probably put it in a drawer and forget about it and then come back and revise it. But that's that's leaving out all of the research, because if you're writing a, a history play, the, the island plays are easier, obviously, but a history play. You just could spend hours going down rabbit holes. You need your facts. Yeah. You do, and you don't know which rabbit hole is going to throw up, you know, something that is just exactly what you need for that particular play. So that can be quite difficult. We've also had quite a few problems here about trying to access public records because for some reason archivists are just telling me they're too busy and they can't let me see stuff and you know the libraries have been closed for such a long time it's quite we'll difficult that you will blame that on the pandemic because everything else gets blamed on the it, pandemic so. absolutely absolutely so i'm in the process of trying to research two plays for a, a, a trilogy that i'm writing um I have money from Creative Scotland to write what I'm calling an Ayrshire trilogy. It's not strictly a trilogy because the plays are very diverse. They're very different. I want to appeal to different people. So there's one island play, which is in production just now. And then there are two historical plays, one of which is based around Robert Burns mm. and some letters that he wrote. So, again, trying to come at it from a, a different angle from the usual stuff. And the other, which is based around a local um, castle. We have castles within spitting distance. Oh, you know, I love, I love castles. castles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of four that you could walk to from here. Um, wow. A local castle with a family that's inhabited this castle for many centuries and a character um, within that ancestry who's, who's got a really interesting history that links two local castles, actually. And getting hold of that information is really difficult. It hasn't really been documented. I'm going back to ancient documents that have, you know, lain buried in the archives for, wow. I don't know how long. 
Um, so that takes a lot of time. That's taking me probably more time than it should. And you're always looking for that gem that gives you a clue to a character or um, an event that's happened that, that's just going to give you some dramatic um, wow factor in, in the yeah. play. But except for the one that they begged you to do to make it more lighthearted, it seems you are sticking to the history side of whether it's France or Scotland. It's all historical fact. I do love it. I mean, it, it really is wonderful kind of burrowing through. I could never be a, a historian because I don't have that head for detail. I would get bored. Mm. But, you know, almost why, why invent a good story when when they're sitting there in, in the bookshelves surrounding you. You know, so for example, um, I discovered that when uh, Mary Queen of Scots, I haven't done this one yet, when Mary Queen of Scots left Scotland, <clears throat> because the English were after her, basically, they were, mm -hmm. were gonna try and capture her. <clears throat> she went to France by, they sailed around the north of Scotland and down the west side to evade the English. They landed on the Isle of Arran, now, I don't know that I don't know if anybody except very clever historians know this, but they landed on the Isle of Arran and the the man who was her guardian was writing to her mother talks about landing on the road to Lamlash. Now, I know the road to Lamlash. I've walked the road to Lamlash myself, you know, and something like that. You think, wow, that's just a wee gem. I've got to I've got to build that in somewhere. This little six year old girl landing on the Isle of Arran, what does she think about it? And that's where your imagination comes in because mm -hmm. nobody tells you, you what fill she in the gaps, yeah. Fill in it's the it's gaps. Fact, that's it's fact fiction, it. that's what you do. It's yeah. Jill's, Jill's fact fiction plays. Fact fiction. I'll, I'll, I'll write that down when we finish yeah, this. It is because it, you're, like you say, you, you're going on the history and you're doing your research and you're getting all the dates right and as much um, uh, that's there available for you to take and use, but the rest of it, you're filling it in yourself and that's the fiction part of it. So yeah, fact fiction, that's, that's uh, very, very interesting. So let's talk about the, the other side because I mean, I do narrations, okay? I, I, I narrate excerpts from authors' books um, up to eight, 10 minutes long. Um, and I put them on a, a podcast and they're also on um, YouTube uh, as a video and then audio podcast and then shared around and, and hopefully it will help get some sales for this author. So, but you actually hire actors and actresses to do the speaking parts for your plays. Where do you find uh, where do you find them? I know some of them already um, because, as I say, I did a little bit of work, did about ten years worth of pop up theatre based in Glasgow. So I know I know some pretty good actors already. I use Facebook. I I initially used Facebook. Uh. So the first thing that I ever did was when I was at university, I did what is called a rehearsed reading. So you, you bring in some willing actors and they read the script in front of a group of people. So in this case, it was some of my peers um, on the course. And the idea is partly to get 
critique and feedback on how the script is working. So they do mm -hmm. that a lot in theatre as well. So I did that and just advertised on Facebook and found not only some fantastic actors that I didn't know about, but also uh, one of them is also a podcast producer and a soundscape designer. Uh, and I worked with Alex on my first two plays and we'll work with him again, I hope. I've also worked with two other producers and on the island plays, um, a new, new to me producer that I met during lockdown um, called John Boyd. And going back to what you were saying earlier about the challenge of, you know, say having a, a one person play with just the voice, it isn't just the voice because when you hand the raw tapes over to these guys, they do the most magical things with 1930s Parisian street noise and, um, you know, medieval make torch it come alive. flames. Absolutely. Make it come alive. Wow. Fantastic what they do. So, the, you know, it's, a, it, it's really a, very much a partnership. I, I can write a script, but it's just a piece of paper. It's, yeah. You can't publish it like a novel because who wants to read a script? So it's very much a team effort. That's wonderful. So how long went, I mean, you you say you've done five uh, days in the zone, writing your, your uh, play, first draft, then it'll go editing, um, maybe beta reader, see what they say. Um, and then you'll find your, your actors and the producer that you want and the sound. I mean, how big is your team and how long will it take from you first writing the first draft to it actually being listenable? I suppose it depends how hard I'm working, really. That's part of it, because I don't work solidly on writing. I would say when I, when I did the Creative Scotland project, I allowed myself I allowed myself five months for the first one, but you've got Christmas in between. Mm. So I would say it could be done in three months, probably from start to finish. And I'm sure that's, I'm sure people do it much faster than that. Um, yeah, I but I mean, they've, they've probably been doing it for years, you know, and I think probably. the more you do, the more experience you're going to get, the faster they will come out. Because uh, if you're doing a podcast and you're, putting one up every four months you know people are waiting for that and they might be going somewhere else to listen to somebody else's podcast so you've got to keep your listeners how do you do that well it's difficult because I don't you know I don't produce every every few weeks or every few months um, apart from anything it's quite it's it's costly so yeah. you know part of what I've done for this next trilogy is to go for funding because it you have, you know, you've got to pay people. People will do a certain amount for you as a favor, but you can't keep asking professional actors and professional producers to do that for nothing. So it's difficult yeah. to, you know, you have to have a lot of money to be able to keep that going on a regular basis. Do you, um, sorry, do you have sponsorship at all? I don't at the moment. No, no. Creative Scotland is funding me for this next set of plays. That will keep me busy for a year. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm looking at other funding possibilities as well. So at the moment for these three plays, I can, I can pay musicians and producers and actors um, a, a, decent, a decent rate. 
Mm. I, I don't like, personally, this is a very personal thing because I think it can be very well done. I don't like recording the dialogue separately. It, you know, during lockdown, it, it would have been really useful to say, right, get an actor to just read their lines three times. Another actor reads her lines three times and then an editor chops that in together. Whether it's because, you know, I love theatre and I've worked in theatre, I want to hear the actors speaking to each other. I want to hear them reacting to each other, you know, and smiling at each other or being horrified at one another. And to do that, you need them in the studio at the same time. I mean, you, of the Scotland ones, of course, you need Scottish uh, sounding actors who preferably live in Scotland and know um, a, a bit about the history that they're talking about. Um, so is the studio that you work with, is it in Scotland? Has it been for the other plays as well? Or have you had to just uh, um, hope that, uh, you know, you pay them to go into a studio, but you're not there yourself? No, I'm always there myself because I really direct the plays as well. And having written them, I direct them. Sometimes you need to put in an extra line or, you know, the line doesn't make sense. And the actor says, can I say this a different way or whatever? Um, but they're always done in, in Scotland. They're always recorded in Glasgow. And the French history ones are done with Scottish accents because, hey, you know, who says they speak French with an English accent or with a, heaven forbid, with a French accent? <laughs> <laughs> no, they just don't. So they speak with their own accent. So I, I use Scottish actors and I don't really see why, why not? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so you stick to locals, basically, just so that you can be in the studio with them, produce them, listen to them. So it's local actors, actresses that do the uh, speaking parts. What yeah. about uh, producing and everything? Is that done? online is that done with someone that doesn't live in Scotland or are you looking for locals for that as well um the two producers I mainly work with one of them they're both Scottish and one of them lives in Manchester and one of them lives north of here in Perthshire and mostly that's done anyway remotely um we meet up occasionally but it's 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 done remotely so um people send me files and I listen to them and we go backwards and forwards and have zoom calls and that's the re that's the fun bit that is such a fun bit you know mm -hmm. one of my plays um I probably shouldn't <laughs> give this away but one of my plays um a cat sits too close to a fire with an inevitable result the coal falls out of the fire on the poor cat I'll probably get taken to court for this um but the sound effect is absolutely fantastic and the sound producer told me that he he used a tiger's roar as the basis for this poor cat shrieking when the when the hot coal hits him. Um, and uh, he had to manipulate had to manipulate the tiger's roar. Yeah. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. I don't know anything about it. And then and then you you get on Zoom and you chat and what he plays it and you you hear it. And yeah, you go backwards and forwards with it. <coughs> You know, with the sound file and so on, until you you're both really happy with it. When I um, when I do um, my book trailers, I have um, started off with just back in the day, many many years ago, it was just basically text, pictures, and some music. Or well, now I do film and sound effects. So I look 
uh, online for my sound effects, what I'm looking for. And I, I get them both basically from the same place <clears throat> online. I just type in what I'm looking for and then it will come up and then you listen to them all and you decide which one works for you. And then you download it and it's free, which is brilliant. So, um, yeah, I, I totally understand about uh, you working with sound effects. It's, uh, it just brings the, the movie or the play alive. It makes it a uh, lot more than just a dialogue and, and, a, and a story. It sounds as though your technical skills are far in advance of mine, career. I, I let other people do that. No, I, yeah, I do. I do produce my own trailers, and uh, well, so award-winning um, filmmaker. That was for my trailers, and also I did a, a documentary on uh, COVID when it was first turned into a pandemic. I did um, contacted ten different natives from countries around the world and talked with them because they were given. Everyone was given fake news. Nobody knew what was really going on. So I wanted to get the ins and outs of how their government were treating them and what was happening in their country. And uh, that won quite a few awards on the international film festivals. And then Can you my- send me a link to that? Say? Could you send me a link to that, please? I will, yes, I will. And my, my trailers as well, they've, they've won awards, which um, since I changed to film and uh, video and uh, sound effects, it's, it's advanced and made it into more of a, a movie than a book trailer. And yes. um, yeah, so they've won awards. And uh, yeah, I produce them myself. Um, it's, it's like the podcasts, I do them myself. I do um, the uh, YouTube one, um, news editing most of the time. Uh, then you've got the front matter and the back matter to put on together and join it all up together and then get that uploaded what takes time is all the uploading and the downloading and you know it's not like it happens in two minutes you know it's but you you're lucky you you've got someone that puts it all together in a nice package for you and then gives it to you I am I'm incredibly lucky I think as well though you know it's great now you know you you, you were telling me that you work from home exclusively from home to have the setup at home, the, mm. the technology that we have now is phenomenal, isn't it? Just sitting on your desk. I mean, I can't it's do a, these things, but that's a, lack of that's a lack of yeah. skill. It's lack of technology. No, no, no. Don't say that because um, I ordered. Uh, I started with this. Uh, I started with um, I think Microsoft Edit Play or whatever, and I learned from there. And then I got another one called Movi. I think it's Movia. And uh, I paid for that one and it is absolutely amazing. And it's so easy to use. And once you learn how to do it, you're teaching yourself to advance using more, um, more stuff that's on there that you didn't know how to use before. Yeah. It's, you don't need to, to have a lesson and to read a manual of how to use it. It's so straightforward. And that is the like I said, the, the an animation, uh, editing, um, sounds, music, um, film, everything all put together on this one um, editing software. It sounds fantastic. Anyone can do it, anyone can do it. But then we're in different medias. I mean, like I said, I do my 
audio narration, but you're actually producing um, a actual play. And when I first thought, when you said that, and I thought, oh, radio play, okay, it's going to be two people talking. Um, but then when you mentioned about sound effects, and I was like, I can imagine now what this would sound like. Mm. It'll be an audio book, but even an audio book doesn't use sound effects. No, no, no. Um, so how, you know, a good chunk of the action is happening not in dialogue. Because that, that would get really boring. And if you listen to really old golden age of radio, it, it's all happening in dialogue and they're telling each other everything. You're like, oh, God, you know, this I'm going to go to sleep in a minute, which, of course, people do. They switch off, make a cup of tea. Um, but, there are, you know, I, I, I write a series of sound effects and hand them to some poor guy to say, can you make that happen for me, please? But you really do transport people so that in, let's say, in collaboration, the first one I did, um, there's, a, there's a part where the, the sister of Edith Piaf is climbing the stairs in a Parisian house, one of these huge Parisian houses. Now, at the time, part of this house, the lower floor was a brothel used by German officers. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine these beautiful French houses with the stone stairs curving up to the next floor. And the the main character is walking up the stairs and on the stairs she meets a prostitute. And I had to play that part because um, there wasn't anybody else to play it. So that was really good fun. I got a speaking part as a prostitute in my own play. And she, she as, but the, 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 thing on the page doesn't look particularly interesting but as soon as you hear these high heels going up these stone click, steps click, click. Stop, click 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 you know and then she has this bit of conversation and then on she goes up again with the 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 other girl talking to her up the stairs until she comes to the the door of the, the house she wants to go in the difference between just the voices and then the voices in the stairwell because the producer changes the ambience of the room yeah you know, it's not a cosy room with curtains or whatever. Yeah. It's an open stairwell with stone stairs. And it's fantastic to hear magical, that. Magical, magical. Yeah. I can, I, can, I, can, I can hear your passion. I can, I can feel why you do what you do. And uh, I hope that uh, it continues. I'm glad you've got funding for your next projects. That's going to be so cool. Um, I will get the link for your podcast and put it on uh, the um, the information on the uh, audio podcast about where to find you and to listen to your wonderful plays. It's been uh, such an honour to chat with you, Jill. This is uh, really, you're actually my first audio play, um, what can I call you, audio play writer that I've had oh. on uh, Behind the Pen. So it's been oh. um, really interesting to, to hear more how it works and how it all joins together and how, it, how you do it, how, how you start it and what's the end oh. product. And it sounds absolutely that's, amazing, fascinating. That's been a real honor, that's been a real honor. So thank you so much. I mean, I'd love to talk to you again. Let's, yeah. let's keep in touch because I think we've got a lot probably in common anyway. Most definitely. Thank you so much for being a guest on Behind the Pen, Jill. All the best. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
I just want to again thank uh, the sponsor for this day's episode. This episode is sponsored by All for View with uh, Calumet Edition. On their next episode of this podcast, Josh Weber talks with Rachel M. Anderson about marketing and writing services with newly published authors and how the industry has changed over the course of almost 20 years as a public relations consultant for authors. Author View with Calumet Editions available now wherever you listen to your favourite podcast. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Thank you for listening and thank you to my guest, Jill. It's been such a pleasure and I'll speak to you again soon.